Every Playlist Tells a Story podcast. Hey, what's going on, people? I'm Todd. I'm Jimmy. And we're back to talk some more songs and tell some more stories and do all that fun stuff that we do every week. Beautiful stuff. Here in August, uh, we've had a rather mild August, uh, at least the early part was. Um, Good weather out there, man. Yeah, strange, you know, because the swimming pool... It's a little chilly lately. It's more than a little chilly. Yeah, it's that's unusual because in Indiana, you know, it it should be like the sky should be like cloudy, but it's not cloudy. It's just so humid. It yeah. looks like it's cloudy. Yeah. But it's just this get that haze, gray get that haze. humid haze. Yeah, but you know, it's you know, it, it's been not this week clear clear as a whistle. Yeah. Well, oh. Real quick reminder: if you're listening and on a something you can follow and rate us it's all super helpful appreciate that we've got the social media stuff instagram facebook twitter and uh tell a friend that's right tell a friend um you know try to get the word out um now i i made a i made a promise to myself i i wanted to get like a hundred episodes in before i really go all out on getting the word out it's just something about me and this theory i have with Bands. I don't think you're like one of the landmark bands until you've had five five albums. That's five. wow. Five albums. I mean, you think about all the great bands like Led Zeppelin. Their right. fifth album was um, "Song Remains the Same." Uh, you think about um, what um, Judas Priest. Uh, it was uh, "Hell Bent for Leather." You know, right? Iron Maiden. It would have been uh, "Peace of Mind." Okay. Or was it Power Slave? It might have been Power Slave. Oh, I think that was their fifth album. But, you know, you get so much hype on people on their debut albums like, you know, Guns N' Roses and Creed. And, and they get so much love. But Creed? Creed? Hey, they sold Dude, out. No, no. They it, sold it, out it, Robin it, Stadium. They're one of the bands that, for whatever reason, they just... Get on my nerves. I can't stand it. But, dude, yeah, I'm not 2002, they, no, they nobody was saw They strong. Yeah, and where are they now? They didn't get to their fifth album. Uh, Guns N' Roses, where's their fifth album at? You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not buying into it. I'm so not buying into it. Five albums before you, before you call them, what, what do you call them at the fifth album? Landmark. 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 I mean, it's one of the legendary. I mean, you got to have five albums. So I'm thinking like our fifth album is like that hundredth episode. episode. That's when you could really say, "All right, we've hit that okay, hit well, that top of the mountain there." We've got eighty something to go. That's what I'm saying, you know. And I know I've got another eighty something songs in me. To I've got hundreds, yeah, thousands. Okay, so yeah, I could keep going. So we feel like we're gonna get there. Yeah, we're gonna get there. Okay, but yeah, um, we have a special guest today. Our first uh, special guest, um, not willing to talk. At all, uh, it's a it's a golden retriever named Ellie. This is a uh, Todd's uh, my girl, Todd's girl. Um, Hanging out. Anything with us. you can tell us about Ellie there, Todd? She's uh she's still full of puppy power and likes to play. And as you know, you know you've you've kind of figured her out when you walk in the door. First thing she wants is you to scratch on them ears. I like so, most golden retrievers. Yeah, they so, love the ears. So yeah, she thinks everything's about her and. Uh, she wants her attention, and she wants to play. So it's yeah, full on puppy power at three years old, and uh, yeah, golden retrievers are known for needing attention. 
And when they get it, they they relax. You know, there's a point where they're like, okay, I'm good. She's she's the kind of girl that uh, when you stop giving her attention, she lets you know you're not done. She will nudge back into you. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't know that I've ever gotten to the point where I think I've gotten to the point where she's given up, but she's never gotten okay enough. That's enough attention. You can stop now. You know, my sister had two golden retrievers, and they all. Ellie and her golden retrievers—they were all pretty much the same when it came to that. Right. I would, I, you know, I'm a patient person. I would sit there and, you know, play helicopter with their ears. You know, right. And like, you know, it's basically like make turn their ears into bat wings. You know, just flapping them constantly. Right. They just love that. And all three of those dogs were like that. And and it gets to a point where they're just like, okay, okay, yeah. Now, you never get to that point. I've not right? seen that yet. You don't. Right. Have, you got to be patient with. Well, trust me, she gets plenty of attention. Okay. All right. Well, but she's just chilling here next to us. Yeah. She, you know, got her I'd spot. like to get a bark, but I don't think we're going to. Get no, her. she's she's not. She will bark at if something is out of place. I got a wheelbarrow in the driveway yesterday. I was doing some work around the yard. Okay. Had some limbs in it and stuff, and took her out. And she, as soon as she saw it, she's like, she barked. It was kind of the, that's not supposed to be there kind of thing. So, um, someone knocks on the door. We get a good bark out of her. She's not much, not much of a barker. Like I said, it's just just when stuff seems out of place or if someone knocks on the door, that's about the only time. Yeah, a little more laid back. Oh yeah, very. And, you know, and I talk about my sister has Boston Terriers, and those those dogs are so high, just so high, wound so tight. I mean, they're high strung. They are constantly. Looking really? for something to do. It's something they're looking for action all the time. Huh? Yeah. Oh, they. Well, my brother-in-law brought them over to the to that my house, and, and my backyard's enclosed, and they were just and they're country dogs, and they're in the city now, and they're just they're hearing dogs everywhere. They're you know a lot on of city st- block, lot various of stimuli. places. And the neighbor has a a pit bull that you know she's a sweet girl, and you know kind of roams in and out. There's no problems. Right. Well. These little terriers with their little toothpick legs um, think they're just going to take this dog on. And I had to keep the, like there's a swing gate fence. But yeah. I had to keep my hands on that because the pit bull and this little Boston terrier they were at, they <laughs> Fix, were going at Fixing to have They were have both just stressing oh, out on each other's uh, uh, existence. Right. So, uh, terriers are, they're, yeah, they're, retrievers, awesome. Terrors, or you got it's, it, and it's and I've said this before. It seems like those little dogs. I don't know if they got a chip on their shoulder or they got something to prove. Exactly. But yeah, they're just. And if it's just a small, like, if it's a dog smaller than them, no problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a dog bigger than them, they want it. Something. They, yeah. they want a piece of got it. Got something to prove. It's like that's not how the, yeah. the jungle law works. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You got a good dog though. That's what I'm saying. Ellie's she's, a good dog. She's a good girl. We love having her around. So, but besides right. that, yeah. Speaking of uh, just kind of laid back a little bit, we've got some laid back songs this week. Yeah, yeah. This is peaceful, easy feeling. Peaceful, here. easy feeling. Yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, if you're okay with it, I'm gonna go ahead and get started. I, I think I'm done ranting about various subjects you, you, you for now. Everything for, for now. now. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my song this week is is one that's kind of come and gone through my you know playlist there, there are times where I think of it and I get really heavily into it and I, it's I'm really passionate about it. it speaks to me 
and then I forget about it for a while, and then something happens, and it comes back to me, and it's it's almost like a gentle reminder of kind of how I try to live my life these days. Uh, it's uh, Leonard Skinnerd, Simple Man, and uh, good song. God, it's, it's just a great, great song, and and you know this this came up, this song came up for me. There is a there's a, a cable channel. It's Axis AXS, and they show a ton of music stuff through the day and. And night, and I've been recording a bunch of documentaries and and just little, you know, they got the day the rock star died things. They've got rock legends. They've you know thirty minute episodes about things or whatever. And yeah, I miss it. I used to be, I used to have a Directv, and I went to streaming, and I yeah. can't, I can't find a streaming service that has that channel. Oh wow, it's it's a fantastic channel. I've been, I was telling you before we got started. I mean, they've been showing little hour long clips of the, uh, you know, eighty three US Festival. Oh yeah, and it's uh, yeah, we've talked about that. I one. watched you know the other day. I watched some set by Berlin and Quarter Flash and NXS and YouTube. I'm excited because the uh, the heavy metal days coming up and uh, yeah, and that's I'm anxious to sit down and watch that one because I think it's like Judas Priest and I don't remember who else. I think Judas Priest was in the preview or something, but that was the day. That was the day Ozzy fired his bass player. Yeah, that ties yeah it ties back to that. <laughs> That story off the earlier episode, so it's uh, when I saw that I was like, "Wow, like, yeah!" It's, and it's just been kind of fun to watch. I mean, that big, huge festival. I mean, this was pre, pre Lollapalooza, pre Ozfest, pre big festival stuff, which are seems like there's a ton of them now. But I mean, it just it's just so much fun to watch. It's such a huge stage, and there was even like a there's like little things that pop up at the bottom, little facts about it. And, oh, I, really? and, if, and if I remember correctly, the stage that was used for that festival. Is now the stage at Disney? Which one's in California? Disneyland. Disneyland. Yeah. Disneyland in Fantasyland, maybe. The stage from the US Festival is the stage at Fantasyland in Disneyland. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is a, like a little. Yeah, I've been to I've been to Disneyland. There is a little like stage area for live shows. Kind yeah. Of off in the corner there, Fantasyland. So. Huh. That's funny. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. All right. So back to my song, Leonard Skinner, Simple Man. Oh, and what brought this up again for me is on that Access channel, there is a great documentary called Gone with the Wind, The Remarkable Rise and Tragic Fall of Leonard Skinnerd. I have watched this documentary about four times in the last two years. It's yeah. one of the, you know, I'll watch it. I'll be good for six months. I've seen that. It's and great. then if I see it on again, I'll watch it. It's just, I, I, I love it. It's just a great kind of history storytelling of the band and where they came from and kind of everything that led up, you know, the, the majority of it's the whole pre-plane crash stuff. And then there's a little bit at the end that kind of talks about what they're doing post-plane crash. But Yeah, it's a great story. It's that a band. fascinating story. And what one, was that cabin they rehearsed in? Was it Hell, Hell House? House? Hell House, yeah. yeah. And it was, it was the, like you said, the cabin in the middle of nowhere, and that was rehearsal space. And, I mean, they just, they talk in that thing, like, how hot it was. And, I mean, you know, down in Florida, just hot and swampy. And yeah. And uh, oh, I can't think of what's the Ed King. Ed King, yeah, he, you know, his initiation when yeah. he joined the band was he had to guard the place. He right? had to guard the place for a week, and he just talks about all the just weird, creepy swamp noises and stuff he'd hear at night when everybody was gone and he was there by himself. Yeah, because he was just, like the one from California. Yeah, he, he was, was yeah the local. Uh huh. So it's just a fascinating. Uh, it's probably one of, of all the ones I've watched, it's probably one of my favorite ones. I don't know why. There's just something about it that speaks to me. It's just a great one. Oh, yeah. And then uh, 
you know, some of the, some of the things from it too is I, I never really and as many times I've watched it, I don't know how I've not caught it before, but it talks about Ronnie Van Zant, his you know just really liking uh, Bad Company and that whole Paul Rogers vibe, being a big fan of him. And I guess after I caught it this time, I you know I watch some old Bad Company stuff, and then it shows the performances and stuff, and it's like yeah, you can kind of see he's got that that Paul Rogers swagger to him in performances. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he could. I mean, he's just um, up front, but you know, he's not definitely not jumping up and down. Another raw, raw guy. Yeah, the stories about Ed King are probably my favorite on that. Oh yeah, documentary. Because yeah. you know, he, he's a guy that came from um, oh incense and peppermint. Yeah, um, the strawberry alarm clock. Strawberry alarm clock, and he came in, and you know, he was he was like the chief songwriter of Ronnie. Yeah, um, but none of the other guys really took to him. No, you know? yeah, he was he was. He is, he's got a very interesting perspective from being the outsider. Yeah. 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 He wasn't one of the good old boys. So, right. you know, he, so 1973 release off the debut album, uh, pronounced Leonard Skinnerd. Again, in this documentary, he kind of talks about why they wanted to call it that because it's such a weird spelling and, and was worried about, I guess, people pronouncing it wrong. But interesting take on how to name an album mm-hmm. just to make sure people pronounce it correctly well I always said most people would have said Skynard right know, right Leinard Skynard uh, third best selling song after of course Free Bird Sweet Home Alabama two of the biggest hits uh, that first record man it was it was strong did you know that album cover was uh, shot you know where they're standing yep. on, on the sidewalk that's shot in Macon Georgia Making Georgia. I, I know again. the address, and one of my—that's another one, like Little Richard Studio. Right. That's. A, I just want to go out of my way to drive to Macon, Georgia. Right. Just to get my picture taken in the exact spot where the band was standing. But there, it has to be cloudy, and it has to be a lightning. You're bolt right. You've got to have that. Oh, it's got to have a lightning bolt coming. Well, on the album cover. Oh yeah. They just happen to catch a lightning bolt coming down. There's a storm moving them, but at least be cloudy. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah, but you know that would just be magic. Yeah, they talked about that studio in Macon where they did that record. It's because they, I think they did one or two records there, and then went somewhere else and just hated it. And I think when it, they didn't go out to L.A. I don't think till later. Yeah, but there, there was there was something some reference about they were in some studio and they just hated it because it didn't sound right and they just missed that studio in Georgia. And I think they even went back and did one or two songs. I don't remember what they were, but was it Muscle Shoals maybe? Uh, I wouldn't think I'd complain about no, shows. It was it might have been out in California. Um But again, it's just for a debut record, just a great strong record. Had a lot of and I think what helps with it is just talking about the Hell House thing is just those guys seem to like it seemed like they just rehearsed and played and rehearsed and played and you know that's one thing Al Cooper said. In yeah, is, I mean, they just went in the studio and they knew what they, you know, there was not a lot of overdubs and not a lot of, a lot of redoing things. I mean, they've they've done the songs for so long, they knew exactly what they wanted it to be. And you know, some of the band guys were talking about just like even Ronnie and just his, you know, he knew what he wanted, he knew how he wanted it to sound. It was there was no going off on a tangent on a guitar solo. It was you play it the same way every time, and this is how it's going to be. And kind of sounds like. Um, one of the, I can't remember which band member it was of uh, John Mellencamp's band in the 80s, but he talked about when he came into the band, um, 
John walked up to him and and told him, "Listen, there's only room for one asshole in this band, and that's me." Right. And I, I could see Ronnie being that way too. Well, it's kind of like when we talked about you know Smashing Pumpkins a couple back. I mean, there's yeah. there's a vision, and you know this was the vision. So I mean, as as hardcore as it sounds, you almost got to kind of respect it. Hey, it makes it easy, you know. Yeah. As far as uh, everybody else, what their role is and what they're expected to do, and what they're, you know, where where the boundaries are. Yep. You mentioned now Cooper, the producer. That was another kind of interesting part, or I guess one of my favorite parts. Where I really just enjoy watching him sit and talk about his interaction with the band, and just as a a background on Al Cooper, uh, you know, the first thing I found about him and. And I, I made a note of it because I knew it would speak to you a little bit. But uh, he is known for the defining Hammond organ sound. Hammond organ, you gotta love the Hammond Bob organ. Dylan's uh, "Like a Rolling Stone." Oh wow! Yeah, yeah I was, did not know that. Yeah, and and you know, it, uh, I believe if I read it correctly, that was almost like an accident. I think he just happened to be around and it was like one of those, "Hey, why don't you play on this?" And he played it, and it became such a such a integral part of the song. Yeah. You know, he was he, he went on to talk about how, you know, the playing was so catchy that it led to calls from others for uh, for session work. Uh, it's, it says he didn't really want to do some of them, but he wouldn't say no. So instead of just saying no, I don't want to do that job, he would charge him, or he'd quote him triple the rate, thinking it would deter people from it. Right, and it did not. Wow, so, I mean, it, he was that well sought after. Another. Al Cooper's known for kind of starting that blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, big band. Big band, spinning wheel, you know, what goes up, must come down song. Uh, There's even a version, just kind of looking at it, they, they did a version of Fire and Rain, the old James Taylor. Oh, yeah. So I kind of went down a little rabbit hole with that, and, you know, over 80 artists have covered that Fire and Rain song. I would never it's guess a Heavily 80. covered song. Uh, yeah, it's, and it listed a bunch out, and just, you know, John Denver was one of them that listed Gladys Knight and the Pips. You know, I didn't under the pips that they. You know how they repeat everything Gladys says, right? Did they do that in Fire and Rain? I haven't heard the version. Okay, I just went down the list and because Gladys would say he's leaving, and then they would say leaving, right? And she would say on that midnight train to Georgia, and then they would say leaving on the leaving on the midnight train. Yeah, they were they were like, they were like the hype hype women, right? Kind yeah, like, like Michael the, McDonald, the, the emphasis. Yeah, I, I, like, I don't know if you just heard what was said, but if you hit, if you didn't, this is what was just said. Yeah, and that's where Michael McDonald got his Michael McDonald's talent. I, I'm gonna do a, uh, I'm gonna do a Michael McDonald right. song, and so I could talk about all the songs you don't know that he's singing the the emphasis part. Right, there are so many of those. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll pull up Michael McDonald one of these days. All right. Okay. Back to Fire and Rain real quick. One of my favorite versions of it being called Badlands. Jakey e. Lee on guitar. Was it Ian Gillen vocals? Ian Gillen, yeah. yeah. Before he was I love that band. That's, that's, I just, I don't know. Whenever I saw Fire and Rain, for whatever reason, I don't even think James Taylor anymore. That's the Badlands version. That's what comes into my head. Was that the second album? I believe it was. They had two albums. Yeah, they had two records, yeah. yeah. I think it was the second record that was on. Hmm. Yeah. I remember uh, the first one real well. It yeah. wasn't on the first one. No, the first one was... It was Live Wire, and I can't remember us, but the second one, Voodoo Highway, had the fire and yeah. rain on it. Okay. it had, yeah, there's several songs on that. Whiskey Dust. It's a good. And the best picture of a ba- picture of a bass player 
on the back. I, the bass player in Badlands, he had like a cowboy that hat. Cowboy on. hat, yeah. Yeah, you like you had to point that out to me. Yeah. yeah on purpose. Like that was the coolest picture ever taken of a bass player. <laughs> uh, all right, back to Al Cooper, uh, producing Leonard Skinner. Can I say one more thing about Fire and Rain? Absolutely. James Taylor came and he he played at the played at the arena and it, the day of the show he was out riding his bike downtown uh-huh. and he went down well, been First Avenue where the not-for-profit Fire and Rain is right you know they got the fountain and yep. the propane flame he walked in there wanting to know what that was just really? to see it I don't know if it was just because hey that's my song are you guys right yeah like you know illegally are you, are you ripping it? me off or yeah ripping me yeah. off and um it took him a little bit to realize who it was, and they all just, I mean, it was not for profit. It was totally cool. Right. It was like being used legally and all that. But it's like it was like a big thing. Yeah. Him would, walking into a building called Fire and Rain. Yeah, imagine sitting there at the reception desk, and, you know, I'd like to speak to somebody about your company's name. Yeah. yeah. Can I tell him he's calling? James, James, <laughs> James Taylor. Taylor, the guy that wrote what you're talking about. But yeah. It had nothing to do with the song, you know. Right, right. Al Cooper, so uh, favorite story of of this whole recording this so they get the record done this this uh, simple man is the last song on the record right they go into the studio they start you know working up whatever al cooper's just kind of he and he tells a story that he's just not he's not feeling it he's not hearing it he doesn't know if this is the right song and the way he tells it is uh so ronnie van zandt you know says hey come with me they, they go outside takes him to his car and puts him in his car and he says you know why don't you go on home? We'll call you when this is done. Nice. And you want to think as a producer, you kind of feel like your job is to make sure everything's coming together and it's going the way it's supposed to be going and, and whatnot. And yeah, debut album, you know, new yeah. And to have the lead singer just kind of put you in your car and send you on his way. And he seemed cool with it. He seemed He seemed comfortable enough with believing in what they were doing. Right to that point with the record and just how solid they were and how well rehearsed they were. He, he just kind of was like, all right, you know, I went home and they called me and, you know, turns out it was a great song and <laughs> it worked. Gave him a cookie and told him to hit the road. Yeah. So that's a, it's just a fascinating story with me because I, you know, I don't know, I don't know much about producers and whatnot, but I can't imagine being sitting there trying to do your work and be told going home, we'll let you know when it's done. Well, Ronnie's a different Different oh, cat, yeah. definitely. Yeah, he had faith in him, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he yeah he knew it was he knew it was going somewhere. Uh, the song, inspired by uh, his Ronnie Van Zant's grandmother's passing, is is kind of the credit it gets. Uh, what I dig about this song, it honestly, this song just speaks to me at times it needs to. It just it's so easy to get caught up in the shuffle of eight everyday hustle and bustle and whatnot. And this song to me is just kind of that general reminder that, you know what? None, 80% of what you're worried about is not important. You, yeah. It's a life lesson. song. it's, it's a life lesson song. And I've played this for my kids and I was like, just listen, you know, and they're, ah, oh, geez, you know, come on. It's like, man, just do me this favor, spend four minutes and just listen to this song. This is all, this is what you need to know. And I mean, it's, it's, you know, take your time. Don't live too fast. Troubles come and pass. You know, find love. Remember, you know, there's someone above. You don't need rich man's gold. All you need is your soul. 
And at the end of the day, all Mama wants is for you to be satisfied. I mean, it's in this case, Papa. And and in this case, Papa. Yeah, I mean, it could very easily. And it, it, this is a song, you know, it's written from the perspective of you know his, you know, Mama told him, but it's a lesson you get from your father. It's a lesson you get from grandparents. It's you know, it's just it's basic lessons in life. So it's you know, at the end of the day, just keeping things simple and. Just don't worry about all the hubbub, and it's easy to get sucked into it and worry about everything else. And I mean, it goes back to, you know, 2011 when the arena we worked at together was closed, and I found myself right. not moving on in that world. And man, it was stressful. I was like freaked out yeah, it was because it was it was something that, you know, I up until two years before that point, man, I was just like, this is what I'll do the rest of my life. Right. And it wasn't. And so, you know, I think that's probably where I stumbled upon the song and it kind of meant so much because it was just like, you know what, don't worry about all the other stuff, just day to day, just keep it simple. And, you know, change the way I did things and the way I lived and tried to kind of follow that simple plan. And just like I said, I try to do it to this day. It's hard and you, you want to get sucked into doing stuff. But for me, it's it's just a, it's a great song to kind of remind you how to be. Yeah, keep you centered. I think that's what Ronnie was uh, saying there. Yeah. So, as far as, you know, this song, man, I can listen to this song anytime. I don't, you know, this is another one that there's not a bad time for this song. Just kind of, it'll stop you in what you're doing if you want to stop listening. It's just, and the music's great, and it's just, everything about it is just so tight and so freaking awesome for for being recorded without a producer. Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, kicking your producer out and knowing exactly what, you know, tell the engineer to do. And it's not bad for a first album band. No, exactly. And and just a great closer. So, Um, as far as random memories, I wrote this down. And it really doesn't have anything to do with the song in particular, but that's a couple weeks ago this is a guy I went to high school with and you know a couple years ago I think he moved down south I think into the Florida area was kind of looking to get off the grid Jacksonville where they're from no I don't think so I don't think he's in Jacksonville but I just I've kind of heard Florida and I don't know a lot of the specifics about how he got off the grid but you know the the version that I think I understand it to be and I could be wrong but I think you know he's kind of out in the woods he's got a little camp set up Ocala National Forest Again, don't have an address. <laughs> but uh, he was in town a couple weeks ago and kind of ran into him. And was like, you know, doing the whole, hey, how you doing, catch up thing. And heard you move down south and, you know, yeah. kind of off the grid. And he seemed, it seemed to be doing great. He seemed to be loving it. And it's exactly what he needed. Just kind of wanted to get away from everything. But uh, I'm just kind of talking about his day-to-day stuff. And I guess there's a, like a, a wild chicken that kind of wandered into his living space camp area whatever you want to call it there are wild yeah there are a lot of wild animals so he was talking about this new wild chicken that just kind of showed up one day and hangs out with him and i guess you'd call it a pet but he's not really a pet but you know he's you know says this you know chicken will get in drink his beer and kind of do that flinching at you know gets all feisty and wants to fight him and all this shit and little banny rooster yeah yeah it's all gets all worked up but uh he drinks beer he drinks he says he'll drink my beer I don't know that he's pouring him a cup of beer, but I think if you know there's beer sitting out, chicken will go over there and get into it. A little spirit animal. Yeah. He was talking about it, you know, and, and this guy, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's just a little, little hyper and, you know, my delivery is a little slower than what he was doing. But uh, what I found interesting was he was like, talking about this chicken. He's like, yeah, man, I call him Skinner because he's a free bird. 
Wow. And I was like, oh, jeez. Boy, that is a bad joke and a half. Yeah, but it's it's the reality. And it's like, you know what? That makes perfect sense. Got this chicken. He's a free bird. Why not name him Skinner? And you're somewhere in the jungles of Florida. And you're somewhere in the jungles of Florida yeah. doing your thing. Which is uh, underrated. There's some beautiful country oh, yeah. in Florida. Oh, I, I believe so. Yeah. There's more Because you, you lived down there for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had Mayaka State Park uh, close by where I lived in Sarasota and, you know, Peace River. Uh, great for canoeing because you could see some, you could see a ton of alligators. Really? Now, people freak out about alligators. Uh, they're just like you know human beings man they, they they're living their life in the in the you know next to the river they, they're not looking for trouble right you, know, you don't mess with them they don't mess with you okay you know you can go canoeing and what see them it's i can't get anybody to go canoeing with me down there only the the people that live down there were the only ones that go canoeing there's a wild animal aspect of that contradicts for me everything you're saying because yeah i get that you know, yeah, if you leave them alone, they're not going to mess with you. But at the same time, it's that whole, one of them, like his chicken, man. What if one of them got into somebody's bear and found like a fight? I, you well, don't know. I mean, you don't know. Hell, you could, I mean, you could, you know, come across and just punch me in the face at any point in time, you know. Well, sure, but. I, I, that, that's true wherever you go. My philosophy is. If, if you don't want no trouble in a situation like that, don't put yourself in. Don't, don't get in the canoe and go down the river. Well, that's, I guess that's how you avoid getting. That's how you avoid getting eaten by an alligator in that river. Well, you that's, don't get in the see, canoe. Now and there go is down. an attitude issue because you could care less about seeing alligators out in the wild. I wanted to. See oh no, I, th- I think it would be fascinating. I think it would be. I do. But you I, wouldn't do it. I, yeah, the, the risk reward of that's. A little off, the, little off the chart for me. There was more rewarding on the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Micah State Park, I, you could see wild boar out there just uh, scrounging around. Right. You know, uh, bird haven. I mean, just yeah. all the birds and you can imagine. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. And, you know, there's always an alligator somewhere in the water. So there's always that thrill factor, you know. Thrill uh, factor. Of animals you don't see uh, in Indiana. Right, right. Okay. Well, anyway, that's my song. It's uh, Leonard Skinner, Simple Man. Good song, good attitude to have. Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah. And, you know, my song uh, kind of fits um, that same that same thinking. You know, um, I, I, Todd, I heard the best saying today. Um, you know, the lady that cuts my hair gave me a, kind of a tongue-in-cheek statement. We were, you know, I walked in, and we were exchanging uh, greetings in her salon. And she said... Um, I asked her how things were going. She said, everything is fine. Nothing is good. And I said, you know, that that right there is 2020 in a nutshell. It's, and it's a great title for a song. Every, everything right. is fine. Nothing is good. Right. Um, and, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, my day-to-day existence is fine. You know, it's, it seems like normal, like it's always been. But, you know, we're not allowed to explore the possibilities, the normal possibilities of summer. Um, that summer has to offer right now due to all the restrictions with the government and the virus and all that crap going on. You know, I missed out on Rage Against Machine in May. I missed out Willie Nelson earlier this month. Um, no county fairs, no state fairs. Right. Uh, music parks have to put the limits on the fun you can have. And, you know, works, you know, I'm, we're in the arena concert mm-hmm. live events 
business and work is hurting for money, you know, for the first time in my memory. Right, yeah. We've been at it for a couple of decades now. Um, and then a lot of my coworkers are depressed about that situation, which, you know, it's natural because you just don't have um, anything to plan for, no events to plan for. It's just a hard time to keep your brain engaged, you know. Yeah. That's the toughest part. So I've been looking for songs that, you know, keep my brain focused on what's good rather than, you know, watching the news and making me feel bad about life and what's going on around me. So that's the reason I picked this song uh, for my play playlist. It's uh, I Believe in You by Don Williams. It's probably the first country song I picked so far um, out of all the episodes. Could be, done. yeah. Yeah, I think it's the first one. Uh, there's a good reason for that. Um, I Believe in You is off the album of the same name. It was released in August of 1980. Recorded at the Sound Emporium Recording Studios. You know, I love studios, oh, yeah. so I got to talk about the studio. Yeah. All right, 3100 Belmont Boulevard, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you know, obviously a few blocks south of uh, Belmont University there on the south side of Nashville. Formerly called uh, the Jack Clement Recording Studio. Um, he goes by, his nickname's Cowboy, Cowboy Jack Clement. Have you ever heard of Cowboy Jack Clement? I don't know. that The name, the Clement name... Sounds familiar, but I can't figure out why. It is so hard. When I discovered that that was his studio, it was, it's so hard for me not to talk about him. Okay. Be- because um, it's sort of like, you know, you talked about Al Cooper. Yeah. I mean, this guy, I don't know if I ever get a chance to talk to him about him again, but he was, uh, you know, Cowboy Jack was inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame in 73, and he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2013. I mean, God's got a rich history. He wrote a lot of songs. I mean, just about anybody you could think of in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, you know, from Johnny Cash, Dolly Parton, Ray Charles, Carl Perkins, Bobby Bear, Elvis Presley, Jim Reeves, Jerry Lee Lewis, Cliff Richard, Charlie Pride, Tom Jones, Dickie Lee. He, I think his hit song was Patches. You remember that song, Patches? Patches on the dependent on your son to, to carry the family through. I'm going to have to look it up. Oh, Patches is such a great song. <laughs> Um, and then Hank Snow, my favorite version of I've Been Everywhere, mm-hmm. Everywhere Man, across the, you know, he does a great version. Uh, let's see, you know, he did, before this one in Nashville, he had a studio in Beaumont, Texas um, in the 60s. And that's where he met uh, a local Beaumont kid named George Jones and convinced him to record a song. She uh, still thinks I still care. Right. She thinks I still care. Number one hit for George. Did a lot of work with George in that studio. Uh, he worked with um, not Tex Ritter, Chet Atkins, mm-hmm. uh, who ran RCA. Uh, worked with him, but I think the greatest thing Cowboy Jack will ever be his greatest contribution was in his early days. Now he's a Memphis kid. Cowboy Jack um, got his start as a producer and engineer for Sam Phillips at Sun Records. Okay. Um, the um, in fact he. Cowboy Jack discovered and recorded Jerry Lee Lewis's uh, song "Whole Lot Shaking Going On," while Sam Phillips was away on a trip to Florida. He discovered Jerry Lee Lewis. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's probably if you could put one thing on Cowboy Jack, that's probably the greatest thing. But you know, back to the studio. You know, he built it in '69 uh, after his Beaumont gig, and uh, just about anyone that was in country music in the '70s recorded there. Not only Don Williams, but Kenny Rogers, Crystal Gale, Charlie Pride, J. 
Johnny Merle, Willie, Roy Clark. Uh, even Goldie Hawn recorded a country album there in 1970. Really? Goldie Hawn had a country album. I had no idea. Yeah, and I listened to it a little bit, and I was like, yeah, if Goldie Hawn did a country album, that would that that's what it sounded like. She had a decent singing voice. Huh. Yeah, I never knew that she was a well, singer. Yeah, and along those lines, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to something, and somebody made a reference to Michael Nesmith's the monkeys his early country records really and so i looked it up and sure enough there's two or three michael nesmith and it's it's old country stuff post monkeys or pre-monkeys uh, i believe it was pre-monkeys even before the monkeys yeah really yeah and, and and i may be wrong there may be some that was pre and some maybe post but it was there was two or three records and it was and it was you know none of it really spoke to me but it was it wasn't terrible well he was always it was serious um, stuff that was the one thing that, that, you know, unglued the whole monkeys thing was that they weren't allowed to do their own music. Right. Uh, they, you know, I think Neil Diamond wrote several of their hit songs. Huh. Yeah, but uh, they were musicians, not yeah. allowed to be songwriter musicians. Yeah. Um, so did the mention of Goldie Hawn kind yeah. of reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I never knew she did a record. Well, you know, some, you know, like the, I don't know, there's a lot of actors that, try to be musicians, sure. you know. Uh, I'm not going to call anybody out, but we, you know, you could <laughs> you know who think of some. You, you know, you know who, who you, you know are. Who we're talking about. Yeah, and, you know, that's why you need to stick with acting, I guess. Um, so, you know, eventually it became the, they changed the name to Sound Emporium in the 80s there. Um, you know, they, they continued to have, you know, great artists come in there, like R.E.M. did their document album, which is, that's the, it was like 87, 86. It had, that's an album that had, this one goes out to the one I love. And, of course, the one that's been kind of a hit lately is It's the End of the World, you know, and we know it, yep. and I know it, or whatever. It's, you know, so that album is pretty solid. The Alabama Shakes, Allison Krauss Union Station, including the album they did with Robert Plant in 07. Really? It was recorded um, right there in the same studio Don Williams used. Fantastic record. Yeah, I know you loved it, and you got to see him live, right? Got to see him. It's to this day I maintain that is the best concert I've ever been to. And that's it, your number one. That's my number one. Is the Allison Krauss, Robert Plant, Solomon Nashville, the Bridgestone, and it and it wasn't. It, it's it's based purely on talent, because Allison Krauss got the voice of an angel. I don't care who you are. I don't care. Yeah. You know, you are not going to convince me otherwise. That woman's voice is the best. There is nothing wrong with it. It she, she is so so talented. And then you know, always been a Led Zeppelin fan. So just getting to see him perform. Do you and, do Led Zeppelin tunes? What's that? Do you do Led? Oh, Zeppelin? Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, I can't remember which ones they did, but they did. You know, a couple three. You know, they kind of had. They did stuff off the record, and then she did some solo stuff, and he did some Zeppelin stuff, and then you know. I think. You know, you told me this story once. I think I did Black Country Woman on physical graffiti. That might be. I, it's been so long ago, I don't even remember. I just, I was so mesmerized. Oh, yeah. It was one of those things where it's, I, I don't remember a lot of detail. It was just like, it, it just, it was a ridiculous experience. It was just like, yeah, that's the, it's, that's the one concert I've been to that has moved me that much. It was just. I, you know, and I love the sound of that record, that T Bone T Bone Burnett right. produced sound, and because he kind of did the same thing with uh, uh, no Pistol Annies. 
Pistol. He, he produced a Pistol Andy's record. Okay. And uh, it's that same kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a 50s sound maybe I don't, I don't know how to describe that t-bone burnett sound like well it's um it's a very just, it's a very distinctive sound but it's it's like sun records type yeah it's just it's it's fantastic so but yeah that allison Krauss robert plant record raisin sand is huge on it's it's right at the top for me it's a it's a great thing also in sound emporium uh taylor swift's debut album and her fearless album Okay. Um, Texas Tornadoes was recorded in the studio. Have you ever heard that Texas 1990 album? Is that the name of the band? That's the name of the band featuring Freddie Fender. It's it, like a super group um, um, Tex-Mex okay. uh, music. If you ever get a chance to listen to that first album, it's just called Texas Tornadoes. Okay. It's, you know, Hey Baby, Que Paso, you know, that's... <laughs> It's like they, they speak a little Spanish, speak a little English, okay. and it's just got that classic um, Mexican sound behind it, you know. Um, gotcha. the, the accordion uh-huh. is a, a main feature. With Very uh, the high energy kind of. High energy, yeah. 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 High, yeah, definitely a good way to describe it. Okay. And yeah, I mentioned Old Brother with Art Thou. That was arranged yep. there. Uh, Oak Grove Managed to Show, Caged Elephant, even Belly's 1993 Star album, which featured the hit single. Can you name it? Oh, I can't. Feed the tree. Feed the tree. Yeah, you know, we've got a listener named Ashley that says, you know, I got something against 90s uh, 90s music. Right. Well, there you go. I mentioned Star, <laughs> the Star album from Belly, featuring the song Feed the Tree. There's right. your 90s for you. Um, okay, I Believe in You, written by Sam Hogan and Roger Cook. Uh, Roger Cook, famous for the Hollies song that um, he co-wrote, Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress. Which, you know, I did not know, but that song is about um, the Prohibition back in the 30s. Um, it was about busting up one of the speakeasies. Huh. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't understand. I mean, like, the guitar sounds great because it's got that echo effect. Yeah, right. But they put the same echo effect on the vocals, so you can't really understand what so the hell. all kind of mishmashes in What the hell you yeah. saying? But, yeah, as he says, Saturday night I was downtown working for the FBI, sitting in a, in a nest of bad men, whiskey bottles piling high. Bootlegging, boot, bootlegging boozers on the west side full of people who were doing wrong, just about to call D.A. man when I heard this woman singing the song. The, the long, cool woman in the black dress was the one person he was going to spare. Right. The D.A. comes in, busts everybody, and takes them to jail. She wasn't going to get no trouble. Yeah, she wasn't going to get no trouble because she was the long, cool woman. There you go. Yeah, So, and he also wrote the song, um, I Like to Teach the World to Sing in per- Perfect Harmony. Coca-Cola? Coca-Cola, yeah. I had made a ton of money off that one. Wow. Yeah, big, uh, I think, and you think of 70s, that's, and TV commercials, that's one of the biggest. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Uh, Sam Hogan, who co-wrote, also co-wrote, um, I think his, well, one thing I know, know about him was he wrote Martina McBride's second number one hit song, Broken Wing, um, and he wrote uh, various other country songs in the 80s, 80s and 90s. Uh, Garth Funk, Garth Fundus uh, produced it, and he produced all the Alabama albums, Trisha Yearwood, and uh, a couple, I don't know if he did one or two Keith Whitley's before he passed away. Okay. Um, but he was there for his hit single, When You Say Nothing At All, yeah. I think he was a producer on that. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot going in, into the song. Uh, 
the song itself uh, it was big. It was Don Williams' biggest uh, biggest single, staying two weeks at number one on the country charts. It hit number twenty four on the Billboard Hot one hundred uh, Christmas week, nineteen eighty. Uh, number one song that week was uh, "Starting Over" by John Lennon, who died earlier that month on December 9th. Even hit number four in New Zealand, um, the land where they um, filmed "Lord of the Rings," where the hobbits live. You know, <laughs> they they love the they they love the message. Okay, they love the message. Um, International. Yeah, huge in New Reach. Zealand. Yeah, yeah. He yeah it it was it was a hit that took him everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, and just talking about placing, I don't know if you're going to mention it or not, and if I'm stealing your thunder, I apologize. No. But one of the things that just kind of looking, reading biographies and stuff about him, said he had 50 songs in the country top 20. Yeah. yeah that is a, amazing. He was, a, um, I think he was country artist of the year in 78. I mean, he was, he was heavyweight. 50 back then. songs in the top 20. That's huge. That's, it's, it's, Oh, he was in the it movies. It blows my mind when you when you and just like you know Willie Nelson was on some TV show the other night performing and it talked about like it was his like seventieth record. Yeah, it's like man, those old country guys they just work. It's just nonstop. Yeah, they're they, blue they collar. Work and work. And it's just it's amazing to me that I mean numbers that huge. I mean you were talking earlier about you know five songs being <laughs> yeah. the mark. Yeah, you know you got these guys putting out seventy records. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they just—it's that's it was just they're pre-programmed. That's what they believe. You gotta be productive. Yeah, it's the only thing that keeps them going. That, that amazes me. That's that's wild. Uh, you know, if I could rec- recommend another song, like you know, in the darkest days of SMG, you know, there was always this one Dom Williams song I would play on the way to work because yeah, that you know there was a time there where you didn't know how the day was going to go. Oh yeah, no yeah. And I would always play Dom Williams song. It was. Um, Lord, I hope this day is good. I'm feeling uh, mistreated and, mi- and misunderstood. Right. Uh, he, he, you know, he talks about God. It's basically a prayer that he just wants to get through the day. Yeah. It's the perfect song. And he's got that great voice, too. Yeah, baritone voice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great. And that I think it's what, and that that's why, you know, it's got the best message I've ever gotten out of a country song. You know, right next to "I Love" by Tom T. Hall, "I Love Little Baby Ducks." Yeah, I mean, it's just, it just—it makes you escape your problems. You know, you know, it, I, I don't believe in superstars, organic foods, and foreign cars. I don't believe the price of gold, the certainty of growing old, that right is right and left is wrong, that north and south can't get along, that east is east and west is west, and being first is always best. But I believe in love. I believe in babies. I believe in mom and dad, and I believe in you. I mean, you know, if if it's a mantra before the morning. If everybody woke up and said this verse to themselves, you know, the world would be a better place. Uh, Dalai Lama's got nothing on Don Williams. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. Well, I'll tell you what, man. It, this Don Williams song, when when you said you were doing it, it I immediately went. When I was growing up, I was super young growing up. My grandparents lived like an hour north of here. And we would go up, you know, that was back in the day where you went and saw grandparents all the time. So, you know, it was like twice a month. It seemed like we were going up there and visiting family on weekends and stuff. But from uh, one set of grandparents, I remember in the basement, they had like an old jukebox with 45s on it. And I want to believe this song was on there because, I, you know, I had no idea. I just wanted to hear songs. But, you know, I know this song had to have been on that thing. 
the one song I remember more than anything that sticks with me is Charlie Pride, Kiss an Angel. <laughs> You're right. And that was my go-to, man. I love that song. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a fantastic song. Yeah. But it just, anytime I think of like these older country artists, I always think about that jukebox and it's just full of 45s and yeah. just kind of, you know, going up there and hitting a button and seeing what it was. But I always played that Charlie Pride song. But then it was just exploring after that. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good memory, man. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's my song this week. I believe in love. Add it to your playlist. If the world's getting you down, I guarantee this is a song that'll help you get through it. Yeah, there's the craziness going on now, and maybe that's just put that on the playlist. And and again, if you don't have it on your playlist, you can get you know it's on the Spotify. It'll be on the Spotify playlist, so it'll be there. So dig it up and let's do it on the way to work. See if it makes the day better. Let's do it on the way home from work. If you've had a crumb day, see if it makes that better. Couldn't have said it better myself, Todd. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right, well that does it. Another one in the in the bank. Yeah. Um, what you got going on this weekend? You know what? I have no idea. I just I'm I'm kind of doing my simple man thing and just taking the day as it comes. I'm just hitting the pool. I've, I've got a list of not going of so fast things I can do. So if nothing's happening, I'll just pull out my list and I'll start working on something there. And if something comes up, I'm flexible enough to kind of roll with whatever we're going with. And just take your time. Just, you know, don't yeah. go so fast. Nope, that's right. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to throw a question out there: Am I wrong about the the five album? It takes five albums to be a legend. You know, to be a landmark band. Right. Or do you feel like one album is enough? Uh, I, I don't think you could be in the the upper upper. Uh, I think you can make a mark with one record, but I think what you're talking about being legendary. For me, five seems yeah. like a reasonable number. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, you think of the Sex Pistols, they really won that right. album, right? And I mean, for me, Guns N' Roses, I know people, there are people that love Use Your Illusion, but I just thought it, that was just overproduced, the whole thing. You could be mine from The Terminator, man. I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah that's, that's one of my go-to Guns N' Roses songs. I mean, it's... But then you got November it, Rain. That's epic, man. That's, <sighs> that's, make, that's that whole... That's not, I mean, to go from, you know, Night Train to November Rain. Growing, man. They were growing as artists. They were they were going out. They were, yeah, that was, um, they were on their way out. Yeah. That's what that's, I mean, Slash and all of them, just like, I don't know. I don't know. All right. But anyway, five albums, that's the law. Five albums should be the law. That should be the law. Okay. Don't, don't talk anything until you get to your fifth album. Right. Yeah. Okay. And is there any? Is it just five albums, or is there a? You can keep going. Five? No, but it, do they have to be five good albums? Like, like if Aerosmith started with Permanent Vacation, oh lord, <laughs> and then did the next five albums, well, of course that you would consider. No, that's a good point. Not good, correct, or not up to par with what you expect from them. I think you would have to have success on some level. Okay. Yeah, because it's like, you know, Depeche Mode, I think her fifth album was Violator. You know, that's a, what what, what was the hit song? I mean, they're obvious hit songs, Enjoy the Silence, right. and uh, Reach Out and Touch Faith, right. and Personal Jesus. Yep. I mean, that was a great album. Oh, that's a good record. And so you can kind of like, okay, the, the previous albums, they're 
songs that are hitting there, you know. I mean, I, they're not solid albums in my opinion. So debut record is is basically everything you've worked on and kind of like the Skinner thing. You've practiced and rehearsed it, and it's solid, and you go in and do it. Then oh, it's you a got, great start. Then you yeah. got sophomore records, which are historically troublesome because now you got to come up That's, with something yeah. to historically, yeah. keep up with. Right. Third record's a wild card. Right. Fourth record, I have no idea. And by the, by the fifth record, you should have kind of figured out who you are and where you're going. You're established. Established. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And yeah. there's plenty of examples. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. All right. Am I wrong or right? Let me know. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jimmy. Good seeing you again, dude. Yeah, good to see you. All right, man. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you later. Bye.